Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Uh, we're going to look in the little tiny book of 2 John, which is, if you flip, go to Revelation, go a couple pages before that, you'll find 2 John. You'll probably miss it a few times because it's like only one page long or thereabouts, but you'll find it. Now, before I begin and get into the message, I do want to make mention that, uh, you know, Hannah, our director of children's ministries, and, and so she's up in children's church right now. Uh, but today marks her one year anniversary uh, of being on staff. And the miraculous thing is having to deal with the three of us in the office, not one day did she run out screaming. So that's a big accomplishment there. Uh, so if you, when you see her this morning, say congratulations, God bless, lay hands on her and pray. And uh, we'll see how, how it goes. Second John, we're gonna talk about truth today because uh, <laughs> It's very important because there's a whole lot of lies and falsehoods going on. Um, a few years ago, I guess you could say in what could be described as a, just a shocking admission to the spirit of the age that we are in, Oxford Dictionaries named the term post-truth as its word of the year in 2016. Post-truth is the word of the year. What is it when the world is post-truth? Well, it's described as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Meaning truth doesn't form opinions, feelings do. It means subjectivity shapes perception, not objectivity. Such a blatant declaration as this reveals a movement within our culture that, that, that walks away, steps away from a belief that there is an objective truth that is found in reality that everyone who has any reasoning capability whatsoever, they ought to recognize and admit there is truth. They've, they, they, they have exchanged that objectivity for a creed that allows one to create truth and reality according to their own whims. People think that they can create their own truth. Now, there's a whole lot of, obviously a whole lot of things wrong with that. I mean, it's self-defeating. You can't objectively say it's true that there is no objective truth. It's self-defeating. But it's obviously theologically problematic as well. And it reveals someone's heart. It reveals someone's perception. We could say it reveals someone's worldview if they deny that there is an objective truth. You know, during Jesus' trial, there was an interesting exchange between Jesus and Pilate. Jesus said, you know, for this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world, to testify to, truth, to the truth. Everyone who belongs to truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked, what is truth? Now that's the million dollar question, isn't it? But Jesus told him, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to his voice. And his voice says, 
I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the voice of truth. Jesus not only testifies to the truth and he not only leads people to the truth, Jesus is the truth in and of himself. You cannot know truth outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, the whole truth. I mean, yeah, you can know the truth that two plus two equals four, but you cannot put that into the grander scheme of things outside of Jesus Christ. Without embracing the truth of Jesus, you do not have a full grasp of reality. That's why so many people are living in confusion. They're living in confusion about their own identities. What am I? Well, should be pretty obvious, but without the foundation of truth in Jesus Christ, they're clueless. They're clueless about the realities of existence because they don't have Christ. They don't have that immovable foundation. And so the culture is going all sorts of haywire because they are getting away from the truth. Blaise Pascal wrote centuries ago, and it still holds true for us today, sadly enough. He said, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. To love the truth is to love Jesus. Those who are opposed to Christ, those who are opposed to the gospel message, Jesus died, he rose again, he is the means of salvation. Those who are opposed to that, they've embraced falsehood and it leads to all sorts of chaos in their lives. I want to make sure that we're grounded in, this is going to sound strange, I want to make sure we're grounded in true truth as opposed to any other kind of truth. You have to almost add that adjective to it because so many people are saying so many different things about the truth. But there's only one true truth. And it's grounded in Jesus Christ. We want to know what that truth entails. We want to know what it means for our lives. And so I'm going to read the entirety of 2 John, which actually isn't that long. And so if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these 13 verses. And this is the Apostle John writing. And he says, from the elder to an elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not I alone, but also all those who know the truth, because of the truth that resides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from G Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice great greatly because I have found some of your children living according to the truth just as the Father commanded us. But now I ask you, lady, not as if I were writing a new commandment to you, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, thus you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, people who do not confess Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. This person is a deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out so that you do not lose the things we have worked for, but receive a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who remains in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. 
If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him any greeting because the person who gives him a greeting shares in his evil deeds. Though I have many other things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come visit you and speak face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray that our eyes and our hearts and our minds are open to your truth and that it is your truth that shapes everything that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This morning, I want to quickly consider certain elements about the truth in Christ that we need to know so that we're not fooled by the world's definition of truth. There's true truth given to us in Christ, and then there's the world's definition of truth. We want to know what it is. I want to talk about some elements that John touches upon because we, through Christ, know what the truth actually is. We want that to move in our lives, and we want to be founded there. So very quickly, first, I want to talk about the associate to truth. The associate to truth, because truth has a companion. Truth has a partner. You know, when, when you have truth, this should come along with it. When you look throughout the, uh, John's epistles, I mean, this one and, and elsewhere, he talks about truth, and then he talks about the associate to truth, which is love. Truth and love go together. Now, John is known as the apostle of love. You find all, in all his writings, love, which is strange when you think about the apocalypse, you know, revelation and all the crazy stuff that goes on there. But guess what is in there? Love is still there. Truth and love. John wants us to know that truth and love go together. You find in verse 1 that, the, that he says that he loves in truth the elect lady. Now, the elect lady is a church that he's writing to. We don't know what church, but it's the church and, and the members of the church. In verse 3, he prays for God's blessings on them in truth and love. In verses 6 and 7, love and obeying the truth go hand in hand. You want to love rightly? You need to love with the truth. You want to have the truth rightly? You need it to come with love. You cannot have truth without love. Because think about it. If you have truth without love, you're cold, you're rigid, and you're judgmental. If you have love without truth, you'll accept and tolerate all sorts of error. And that's actually the mantra of the day, right? Those who want to twist the gospel in our day and age say, oh, you just got to love like Jesus. Just be loved. You know, nothing, nothing love. Jesus never told you how to live. Jesus never told you what you should do. Jesus never told you what you should be like. So don't go around telling people how, to, how they ought to live and how, you know, don't try and correct people because Jesus is nothing about love and puppy dogs and, and butterflies and flowers in the field and uh, all sorts of stuff. I wonder if they've read the Gospels lately. Because Jesus always told the truth. And he did it with love. Because think about it. This, Jesus said things like this. In Matthew 18, 9, he said, If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into fiery hell. 
but Jesus is all love. Here's the thing, yes, Jesus is love. And if you love someone, you're gonna tell them the truth. And Jesus told the truth. Look, if you wanna live a life of sin, you don't wanna repent, you don't wanna come to God through me, there is a fiery hell. That's not very loving, oh yes it is. He is warning you so that you don't go there, you don't have to go there. This is, it's not just a message of love people and hold hands and sing kumbaya. It's tell them the truth. You know, if you see a friend walking down the street and you know, their, their face is kind of planted in their phone and they're doing whatever, they're walking along and they don't notice that they're walking toward this huge pothole that's gonna be in their way. I mean, if they fall in it, it's so deep, they're gonna get killed. What is more loving? to say, well, you know what, they're living their life their way. They love their phone, they're walking along, they can do whatever happens. You know, it's their life, they can do what they want. Is that loving? Or is it more loving to yell at them and say, get your face out of your phone, you're about to drop in a hole. Or run and tackle them, or something, right? Which is more loving? Truth and love go hand in hand. And they make a wonderful harmony in life. They, 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 they go together. So uh, I'll use maybe a, an example from chemistry. There's, there's sodium. Sodium is very active, but in, in natural settings, it's only found combined with something else. You won't just find sodium. You'll find sodium combined with something else. And then there's this other chemical, chlorine. I guess it can, it can be on its own, but when it's all on its own, it's a poisonous gas, and it's what gives bleach you know, its, its smell. However, when sodium and chlorine are combined, the result is table salt, sodium, chlor sodium chloride, table salt. It spices up your food, it gives you high blood pressure, but that's okay. It's good, salt is good, right? Not all of us, just some of us, but you know, it, it preserves meat, it gives flavor, it, it, it's a good thing. The two together is a good thing. So we could say, love and truth are like sodium and chlorine. Love without truth is flighty, it's blind, it's willing to combine itself with any doctrine it finds, no matter how out of touch reality it is. On the other hand, truth, when it's used in the wrong way, can be poisonous, it can be offensive, it can be weaponized. Spoken without love, it can turn people away from the gospel, as opposed to drawing them to the gospel, but when truth and, and, and love are combined in a person or they're combined in a church, that's what Jesus calls being the salt of the earth. Truth and love together, and we're able to preserve, we're able to bring out the beauty of the faith in Jesus Christ. And so yes, we wanna love people, but we have to do it with truth. Yes, we need to tell people the truth, but we tell them the truth in love. We do it in love. Paul even put it together in Ephesians 4.15. He said, but practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. Truth and love together is what matures us and grows us. And so we want to practice the truth. We wanna tell the truth. We wanna share the truth, but we do it in love. And so love is the associate to truth. 
But the, another element, another lesson that John gives us in this little epistle here, he talks about certain aspects of the truth. And I want to touch upon these aspects as well. Because John fleshes out certain features and characteristics about truth that are very important for us to, to know and understand, and I'm going to just name two that are found in verse 2. In verse 2, John tells us that, at least for Christians, the truth resides in us or it dwells in us, depending on your translation. I mean, it means, it means the truth has taken up residence within us. It, 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 it's there. If you, if you have come to Jesus Christ, the, the truth has taken up residence. I mean, think about somebody who buys a new house. They don't merely visit the house and stay outside and look on the outside, oh, what a beautiful house. I wonder what it looks like inside. And then they just go away, go, go somewhere else. No, if you buy a house, you're moving in. You're going in. You're taking up residence. You're hanging pictures. You're, 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 you're there. You're moving all your stuff and you're making it your, your own. You, truth resides. We don't keep the truth like at arm's length. Truth is in us, in us. I mean, that's an important little preposition, that word in, it means internalized. The truth has been internalized in us. The truth resides in us. It's not a force that's outside of us trying to manipulate us. It's not the force of Star Wars just kind of doing its thing that you can tap into here and there. It's in us. It's something that, that, that flow, it, it, it flow, it's in us and it flows out of us so that we live in the truth. When we trust Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus is the truth, he resides in us through the Holy Spirit and then that truth overflows into our life. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a bit here, but that means it's the truth that determines things because it, that's within us. It's not our opinion, it's not what, how we feel, it's the truth, the truth that's found in, in Jesus Christ. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of that truth. We need to constantly feed the truth that is in us by being in his word. The world outside of us is trying to mold us into its shape. It's, the world is trying to mold us into its way of living and thinking. And if the truth that is in us through Jesus Christ isn't stoked like a fire, the pressure on the outside is going to start molding us the way we think about things, the decisions we make. And so we'll start looking more like the world and making decisions like the world and talking like the world and watching the same stuff as the world, as opposed to the truth within us being stoked and pushing back against that, the world so that we live according to the truth. The world has its say on certain hot-button topics, but the truth of Jesus Christ is described in his word. It's what determines what we think. The world says, you've got to think this way. Nine times out of ten, the world is wrong. And so you have a decision to make. Is it the truth that's within you through Jesus Christ? Is that going to determine what you think and what you do in or is it going to be the world? Well, the world thinks that way. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go with them. Okay, you're going to follow them to their destruction. I mean, it, or is it the truth? We want to live according to the truth, and so we need to stoke that truth. We find the truth in Scripture. Scripture tells us about Christ. But it's, that's how the, the truth that resides in us forms. You know, it, 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 we live. 
So we, need, we have the truth dwelling in us through Jesus Christ. We stoke that truth by letting Scripture into our hearts to strengthen and confirm that truth. You know, just like the psalmist said in 119.11, in my heart I store up your words. Your word is in my heart so that I don't sin against you, so that I don't conform to the world. The world thinks this way. It don't matter. What, is, what does God say? What does his word say? What is the truth? That's how I'm going to live. So you need to know the truth resides in you if Christ is within you by the Holy Spirit, if you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, stoke that truth so that it forms you and not the ways of the world. But another aspect of truth that John touches on is that truth is eternal. He says in verse two that the truth that resides in us will be with us forever. It'll be with us forever. What that's telling us is that truth never changes. Truth doesn't have a visitation policy where it comes and goes. Eh, here's the truth. Well, okay, it's no longer truth or I'm, it's, it's leaving. For the Christian, the truth stays with us forever w within us. But the truth, truth is forever. Truth doesn't change if it's truth, right? As, as one uh, set of authors stated it, what is true is true for all people at all times in all places, whether they know it or not, believe it or not, or like it or not. Truth remains truth all the time. That doesn't mean we don't come to greater understandings over time. But what that is, is just coming to know the truth that was already there. The truth didn't change, it's just that, oh, all of a sudden we realize that's the truth. Before I was saved in Jesus Christ, I believed certain things. After I was saved in Jesus Christ, I found the truth and found out I was wrong. Did the truth change? No, I just happened, to, I just learned, I happened to come to, hey, Here's the truth. I just found it. I found the truth. The truth did not change. We come to understand what we didn't understand before God already had his truth. And so th this eternal aspect of truth is comfort to us Christians because it reminds us that God himself will not change. His character will not change. His word will not change. His plan of salvation through Jesus Christ will not change. God will not one day all of a sudden say, you know what, I want to mix things up a little bit. So we're just going to change all sorts of truth and mess with people's minds. God's never going to do that. God is not going to make a decision one day and then the next day go, eh, change my mind. No, that's not going to be true. We're going to completely change it up. No, his truth is abiding it is unchanging. It is a solid foundation on which to build our lives. When we need something solid and settled to gauge our life, the truth of God is that foundation. The truth of God through Jesus Christ is that foundation. If, if in our life we feel like things are just kind of going all over the place, we need some solid footing. We don't look to the world. The world's m moving all over the place. We need to find solid ground. That solid ground is Jesus Christ as given to us through the word that is truth. That is our solid ground. That is our fixed point. If we feel like our life is just going all over the map, we need to look at the fixed point to, 
to do it. Some people, they, you know, the, the ebb and flow. We don't ebb and flow. We look to the word, it stays the same. I, I read an article one time by uh, Abdu Murray, who is an author and an apologist. And, you know, he was talking about kind of th this aspect of truth and, and he, he likened it to this experience he had riding a, a car ferry. He had, you know, driven his car onto the ferry and it was one of those that you just stay in your car. And while he was in the car, he was messing with his radio, he was doing some other things, he wasn't paying attention to what was going on. He didn't feel the ferry, you know, disembark, he didn't, didn't hear it or see it, you know, leave the dock or anything like that. Well, then uh, later on he looked up and he said that he had this weird sensation he, that he wasn't sure if he was moving or not. He's like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm, mo I'm moving or not. And so he's, he notes this. He said that looking at the boat would not have helped because the boat's also moving. You, you can't get a fixed point on something else that's moving. And then you couldn't look at the river because, I mean, it's just ever flowing. It doesn't give you a fixed point of reference. It's only by looking at the land that never moved that he could clear up the confusion if he's moving or not. He had to look at something that was fixed that never changes. And that's the land. God has a fixed reference point. It's Jesus Christ and we're told of Christ through his word. If we need a fixed point of reference for truth, we look to the word, we look to Christ. And so the eternal aspect of truth, it's a comfort to us Christians. We have a fixed point to look at. It's also a warning to those who would try to manipulate God's truth. No matter what the world claims, and the world is boasting a whole lot, no matter what the world boasts, no matter what the world claims God's truth never changes. No matter what, and I'll talk about false teachers briefly later, but no matter what the false teachers say, it's not like after 2,000 years of having Scripture, all of a sudden, oh, I've come up with a new, revel new revelation, and everything we thought was true is completely turned upside down. No, that's not how it works. The truth is the truth, the only sure way to ensure that we are truly fixed on God is to know his truth through Christ found in the word. When your faith is challenged, when you're going through a hard time, God's truth never changes. It alone is going to give you comfort. It alone will give you peace, it alone will give you hope. True hope, true peace, no matter how you feel. Feelings are all over the place. I mean, let's face it, sometimes feelings, it's like a roller coaster ride. You're whoa, whoa, here, there, everywhere. Doesn't matter about feelings. What is the truth? Remember the eternal truth of God. Anchor your life there. The third element or the third lesson I want to talk about really quickly today is the appearance of truth. Because truth is not something that is merely theoretical. Truth is not something that is debated by philosophers and theologians. Truth is practical. Truth has an impact on everyone. Truth is not just something to stuff your brain with. Truth is to be manifested. Truth is to appear in your life. If you know the truth, if you have the truth, if you possess the truth, it will appear in your life. In verse 4, John said that he rejoiced 
that the children of the church, meaning the church membership, were living according to the truth. Some translations will say walking in the truth. What he's talking about is behavior. What he's talking about is lifestyle. The truth that they had in Jesus Christ is found in the word that was handed down to them by the apostles. It affected their lives and it appeared in the way they lived. You know, they didn't just get together, have a Bible study, discuss deep topics. They didn't sit in a pew and listen to a sermon and oh, isn't that nice? They took what was revealed to them by God and then they lived it out. It appeared, truth appeared. Living in truth means you're obedient to the Father's commands. And it's not just a one-time thing because the wording here says it's a continuous action. You're continually living. You're continually walking in the truth. You're continually letting truth speak into your life so that your deeds and your thoughts and your attitudes and your actions are a reflection of the truth. Or to put it in modern language, it creates in you a biblical worldview. And everything you see is according to what Scripture says, and that's how you make your decisions. That means, as, you know, as, as those who possess the truth, those who have the truth in Christ, that means we are not given the option of being bench warmers or pew sitters. The truth that is found in Christ as given to us in Scripture is not just a theory. It is a calling to a greater work with eternal impact. One theologian said that possessing the truth means living a life which is committed to God's truth revealed in Jesus and expressed in obedience. It's just living the life. Another one said, truth is both what we believe and how we live. Doctrine and duty, creed, and conduct. Truth is a belief that leads to an action, that which is pleasing to God. In John's other very short epistle, 3 John in verse 4, John said, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are living according to the truth. Not just talking about the truth, not having Bible studies about the truth, living in the truth. And if living in the truth brings joy to John, what do you think it does for our Heavenly Father? It brings him great joy. Truth is not just mind and heart. Truth appears in our life as we follow God's commands. You know, I think of someone who's going to school and maybe they have this test that they have to take. And so they study hard and all this truth is in their brains. Truth about mathematics, truth about science, something like that. Then the day of the test comes, they're handed their paper and they just sit there and do nothing and they hand back a blank piece of paper. They had the truth. They had an opportunity to express the truth, but they did nothing with the truth. How many Christians is that true of? How many Christians know the truth and it's like, okay, let me just do my thing. We're not to be like that. We are called to actively live the truth. We are called to let the truth appear in the way that we live. And then fourth uh, lesson element, and very quickly, John talks about the adversaries of truth. The adversaries of truth in verses seven through 11, John warns us that there are deceivers out there in the world that do not follow the truth themselves and then they're gonna try and trip everybody else up. They're gonna try and prevent people from knowing the truth and or they're going to prevent pe try and prevent people from living in the truth. They try and prevent 
unbelievers from coming to the truth and faith in Jesus Christ. They try to keep believers from actually living out the truth and making an impact in, in this world. And one of the ways that they do that, according to what John is saying here, is that they present a phony Jesus. They say, we're gonna come up with a fake Jesus. As John says in verse seven, they do not confess Jesus is Christ coming in the flesh. And this is how he describes them. They are a deceiver. They are the antichrist. I know we think of the antichrist as some figure dude at the end of the world, but John in his other writing says, well, the spirit of antichrist is already here. It's already at work in the world. And the word antichrist, the word anti means instead of. So the antichrist and the spirit of antichrist is a deceiver who promotes a Christ that is instead of the Christ that's found in scripture. I'm gonna give you a false Christ. I'm gonna promote a Christ that is not the real thing. So truth boils down to who is Jesus? And what are you gonna do with the person? It's the person of Jesus Christ. Who is the person of Jesus Christ? There's a whole lot of phonies out there. There's a lot of people out there preaching a fake Jesus. And we need to know the words so we know who the real Jesus is. That's why the culture is all over the place. That's why you have people who call themselves pastors and preachers out there promoting a Christ that is not biblical. They are deceivers. They are antichrists. They are giving a false. You know, we, we might think of some, some big things that promote false Jesus. I mean, you know, Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness, well, he's the, Jesus is the angel, or, you know, the archangel Michael. No. Jehovah's Witnesses, well, you know, he's just one of the spirit children of this father God and this mother God, and, you know, he just became a God like all the rest of us can become gods. No. You think of like extreme versions, like back in the 90s when David Koresh there in Waco, Texas was doing his thing. He claimed to be Christ and then led his people to their fiery death. No, they're preaching a Christ that is instead of the, the real thing. That's why we have to be on, on the lookout. If you come across a teaching that, you know, kind of red flags go off like, hmm, something's wrong here. Ask, kind of put the question to that person or to that system of belief, what do you do with the person of Jesus Christ? And if their Christ doesn't match the Christ of the Bible, guess what, they're a false teacher. And you gotta be careful because these deceivers are, are good at what they do. If, if they weren't good at what they did, they wouldn't be deceiving people. Some of them are so good, they even deceive Christians. I mean, they can deceive believers. John says we are to be careful not to lose the things we've worked for, meaning don't lose the rewards of the ministry efforts that you're, you're accomplishing. Don't, don't let them trip you up. Don't let them keep you from accomplishing the task that God has for you. How important is this to be on the lookout for false teachers? Well, Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read what it says in the New English translation, the Net Bible, because, I mean, they, they put it out there. They don't try and soften the blow one bit of what Paul's trying to say. 
And, and, and so this is what it says. Paul warns the Galatians, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be condemned to hell. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be condemned to hell. You know, most I think translations say something to the effect that let him be accursed. They're trying to soften the blow. No, Paul, Paul, the apostle, if anyone is giving you a false Christ, let him burn. That's what they deserve for doing such a thing. Those are harsh words, but that shows the importance of knowing and holding and believing and living the truth. How important is truth? It has eternal consequences. That's how important truth is. I'll close with this, something that author Stuart McAllister wrote about the truth. When we use the word truth, truth by its nature is non-contradictory. It does not violate the basic laws of logic. God created the laws of logic. Truth is absolute. It does not depend on time, place, or conditions. Truth is discovered, meaning it exists independently of our minds. It's not something that we create. We have to discover the truth because God's the one that put it out there. Truth is descriptive. It is the agreement of the mind with reality. Truth is inescapable. To deny truth's existence is to affirm it. Truth is unchanging. It is the firm standard by which truth claims can be measured. There has to be something eternal, beyond time, uh, beyond culture, beyond the relativities of human existence. It is the standard by which we can judge, and God is truth. He has given us truth. He has revealed us truth through Jesus Christ. Christian, maybe you've been following, following some falsehoods. Come and commit yourself to the truth. Us older generations, the falsehoods that are being dished out in the world and in the culture, it might, might not affect us old folk as much. But I'll tell you what, it's definitely going to affect the younger generations. Come to the altar and pray protection over the hearts and minds of our young ones so that they know the truth and they live the truth and are not affected by falsehoods. Maybe you just need the truth of God to shine somewhere in your life. Come to the altar and pray that God would show you the truth, what the truth is. So you're not manipulated by other people, so you're not manipulated by your own emotions, so you're not manipulated by anything that is outside of you, but the truth inside of you would shine forth. Maybe you haven't believed the truth about Jesus Christ, that he died for you and rose again. Today is the day to come to the truth and have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're looking for a church that teaches truth, that is our aim. Of course, I always tell people, take what I say, take it to Scripture, and if, I, if, there's, there, if there is a difference between anything that I say and what Scripture says, guess who's wrong? Me. But we seek to teach the truth, and maybe 
you're looking for a church that teaches truth, consider joining with our church family today. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.